1: Today's show is brought to you by CBDMD. The holidays are finally behind us, which means it's time to catch up on some much-needed sleep. And even though getting a good night's sleep is much easier said than done, our good friends at CBDMD have exactly what you need to sleep harder than the NBA media is sleeping on DeAndre Hunter. I appreciate the Hawks fan working this into the copy. CBDPM blends 500 milligrams of high-quality CBD with melatonin, valerian root, chamomile, and other sleep-promoting agents to create a powerful and effective sleep aid. And if you want to relax a little before bed their new cbd bath salts for you superior cbd with epsom dead sea and himalayan salts to turn any bath into a luxury experience and they're available in lavender or eucalyptus scents as well as soothing nighttime blend with melatonin and calming herbs look the holidays are very stressful everything is stressful right now you're probably sitting up waiting to fall asleep every single night well guess what CBDMD can help you shed the anxiety shed the antsiness before bed and get your ass to sleep and to make it even easier to get the year started off right, they're offering all of our listeners 20% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's cbdmd.com. Promo code NBA for 20% off of your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. Oh, like because when I shot it, I expected to make it, so like, I don't shoot kind of miss. So.
2: You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 868 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, Tuesday? No, Wednesday, Wednesday, January the 20th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, and you can also find all sorts of good stuff on the Locked On Podcast Network covering all of your favorite teams. And in particular, things are of note in Toronto today. The Toronto Blue Jays signed George freaking Springer yesterday, in addition to Kirby Yates, who is a really, really good closer, and A.J. Andrews has it all broken down for you on an excellent reaction episode that dropped late last night after the news poured in. Uh, very cool times to be a Toronto Blue Jays fan, and if you are interested in the George Springer signing, what it means for the Jays, go listen to Locked on Blue Jays with A.J. Andrews today. Alright, on today's show, on today's episode of Locked On Raptors, we are diving into the Heat-Raptors matchup with our pal David Ramil of Locked On Heat. Of course, the Raptors and Heat play two games, Wednesday and Friday, this week against one another, and we dove into the matchups. matchups we're interested in watching. We talked about the sort of interesting starts for both of these teams and how they're both kind of butt out of the gate and whether or not things are salvageable. Um, It sounds like I'm a little bit more hopeful about the Raptors than Dave is about the Heat, but that's okay. We, We dive into all of it. We also get into the sort of Interesting, similar paths the Raptors and Heat are on, where they still have cap space for 2021. They both missed out on Giannis and talk about how maybe the pursuit of Giannis might have hurt them going into this season. So really fun conversation with a team that has a lot in common with the Raptors. Of course, he's the last two Eastern Conference champions. The Raptors won their finals, of course. Uh, But Dave's awesome, and I hope you enjoy it. Before we get to that, though, I should probably touch on Alex Len who is no longer a member of your Toronto Raptors just 7 games played just a couple of points a couple of boards not a whole lot in the way of memories I guess he hit a couple threes against the Knicks in the first win of the season in a win that was terrible I guess that's fine to we'll take that I suppose but Alex Len is gone bit of a surprising move considering the Raptors don't have a ton of people over 6 foot 8 on the roster um, and we've seen as great as Chris Boucher has been there are going to be some matchups where it's just not tenable to have him out there. Joel Embiid, probably Nikola Jokic, other big men out there who will probably uh, bully Chris Boucher just a little bit. There, you know, there are fewer teams out there with those guys than have them, but it's still worth noting. And you know, there's foul trouble to consider as well. So the Raptors are paper thin now at center. Not that they weren't before, but they at least had a couple extra warm bodies. And they sit with 14 players on their active roster. Of course, they got the two way guys as well. And I. Really don't know what to make of the, you know, what to do with this roster spot, what the Raptors are going to do, why today was the day or yesterday was the day to let Alex Len go you know they eat the 2.2 million for the contract because it was a guaranteed deal so they a you know a couple things come from that they don't have that to match in trades anymore and they also uh, can only sign guys to the minimum now if they want to stay uh, or they, uh, they can't they can't sign guys to be more than the minimum because the minimum minimum is an exception and they don't have any room for non-exception players right now um, so you know do they go and find a Dwayne Dedman or a Kyle O'Quinn or something to come in and try to fill that third center spot Maybe. Is this a precursor to a move where they needed an extra roster spot anyway? Sure, but also you don't often see the cap machinations and the removing of guys from the roster to make guys fit happen before trades happen. That's usually a thing that happens after the trade where you hear that a guy got waived or bought out as soon as the deal happened. So I don't know if it's a precursor to a trade that doesn't seem terribly likely right now, but wouldn't mind it (laughs) it would certainly be nice to get a guy in there uh ahead of Alex or to replace Alex Len who is better than Alex Len was you know I think there was a little bit of consternation about this because it's not like Aaron Baines has been any better than Alex Len. Of course, Aaron Baines makes a lot more money, and you can't eat that money and really kind of exist. That's a, that's a big chunk of money to, to consume, and he's going to be around. Also, he's valuable for matching trades and stuff like that, so there's a reason why Len gets the chop and Baines does not. But I'm very curious to see sort of what they do at that spot. It, you know, I, I think the most likely thing is they find a, another big man out there and try to bring him in and see if it works they could also just convert you to Watanabe to a to a full-time NBA contractor if they want to get more than his allotted 50 games in there um, and the, you know he might have proven that he's worth that even though his offense is kind of butt. he's still done some nice things out there so maybe that's the move And they just find another two-way guy? I'm not sure, but we'll keep an eye on it for sure. And uh, farewell to Alex Len. who, say what you will about him, he was better than some centers in Raptors history. Nathan Jawai comes to mind. Uh, He was better than Garth Joseph. The list runs pretty dry after that. I'm curious to see where Len's going to slot in in my ranking every Raptor, probably in the 200 somewhere. Um, But we will uh, get to that problem once we get to the summer. And... We'll keep an eye on where that center position goes and who fills it because it's anyone's guess right now. It's probably not going to be a sexy move, regardless. And if I had my druthers, it'd be someone who can kind of shoot a three a little bit. That's why Dwayne Dedman's a little bit interesting, even though Dedman might not be that good. Um, he might be. The idea of Dwayne Dedman might be better than the actual player, but I think we've seen having like a traditional paint-bound center next to Pascal Siakam kind of directly affects his play and makes him much worse, and it's more clogged, and his post-ups are more difficult, and you're trying those weird sort of through-traffic big-to-big passes that work sometimes and don't work others, and I'm curious to see if they can find someone who can just stand outside and hit a three. Maybe it's all Stanley Johnson small ball five from now on. I don't know, but um, someone with some size would be a nice little addition. So yeah, sign me up for Dwayne Dedman. Anyway, let's get to the conversation with David Ramil of Locked On Heat. But first, before we get to that, I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag, the best place for you to put your money down to try to win money on your sports. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON to get a 50% welcome bonus. You know what that means by now. If you put in 100 bucks, you're going to get 150 bucks in your account to play with. That is a great deal. You've got NFL playoff games this weekend. You've got nightly NBA and NHL action. You've got MLB futures you can bet on. Put a bunch of money on the Blue Jays to win the World Series after George Springer. Why the hell not? They're going to do it because George Springer is boss. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts.
2: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: All right, let's get to it. Myself, David Ramil of Locked On Heat, talking all things Raptors Heat, ahead of their game on Wednesday night. Hey, it's Sean Woodley
0: from Locked On Raptors here with David Ramil of Locked On Heat. Dave, what's going on, man? Uh, you know, it's been an exciting season, Sean. I'm, I'm glad that uh, we have a chance to talk Heat Raptors again because both teams going through some issues now, but it's always fun to catch up with you and see what's going up uh, north of the border. Yeah, well, it's it's in Florida now. Uh, there is no north oh, of the border for the Rams. Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> you're talking about your local team 2.0 right now. That's, uh, well, <laughs> well, Miami is very much its own country. Like uh, South Florida, for those of you who have not been here, it uh, is very different. People talk about like Northern Florida and even parts of, outside of the United States, and they talk about. What life is like there i'm like no I, i'm from miami i have no idea what you're talking about
1: <laughs> far fewer machetes and bath salts in miami than in the uh the northern reaches i'm guessing
0: <laughs> far fewer <laughs> uh no actually far more i think <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh anyway uh let's uh let's dive in here as uh, we've alluded to in the top of our shows the heat and raptors play two games against each other wednesday and friday both in tampa bay at the raptors adopted home which is uh you know not really a home. It's just a place where they're playing while the pandemic rages on. Um, And both of these teams, as you mentioned, kind of struggling out of the gate here. The Raptors are five and eight. They are currently 13th in net rating. They just moved past having a negative point differential on Monday night with their win over Dallas. They are now a plus 1.0 net rating, 13th in the league. And the Heat are all the way down 24th in net rating, negative three point six Per 100 possessions, the defense is not very good. The offense is not very good. And obviously, they have dealt with a lot of COVID concerns as well. Uh, Before I let you grill me about the Raptors and why they stink right now, uh, Dave, what's going on with the Heat? Why are they five and seven? Why do they
0: look so rough out of the gate? Uh, I have no idea. I don't think anybody else does, to be honest with you. I, I feel like one of the things that we keep hearing from Eric Spolstra, and I kind of see it play out pretty regularly watching this team is they don't have a clear identity. They were so all in on the identity that they assumed in the Orlando bubble of going with small ball and starting Jake Crowder and having Bam at center. And it worked, obviously, because they were able to go all the way to the NBA finals. But without Crowder and not, you know, resigning him this past offseason, they've kind of just been left scrambling trying to figure out what that new starting lineup is. They've, you know, they're five and seven, 12 games so far. And they, I think they've gone through 10 different starting lineups and a lot of that, yes, obviously due to the COVID related issues that you mentioned, but, they're trying to incorporate Tyler Hero as a new starting guard. That hasn't exactly worked though. He's not expected to be the lead playmaker or ball handler because that falls on Jimmy Butler and or bam out of bio. He's still costing them some turnovers, trying to figure out what his role is as he's trying to be more of a ball handler, uh, you know, lead playmaker and things of that sort. And, so there have been lots of other issues with Jimmy missing a bunch of games, not just because of the COVID issues, but also due to injuries. He missed a couple of uh, two and a half games in total starting Christmas Day uh, when he went out at halftime against the New Orleans Pelicans. So they haven't had a lot of consistency there. Bam, mm-hmm. arguably their best player, hasn't been around much either. Goran Dragic has missed you know, as a, their best uh, bench score. So they're just they've been trying to you know, trot out all these new lineups on a almost daily basis and nothing has really stuck and i mean credit to them that they're actually at 5 and 7 considering how much they've had to go through so far in an early season but yes they're they're struggling to find any sort of consistency because well the world around them just doesn't let them
1: yeah, fair enough. So the Butler thing's interesting. He is, he was out on Monday against the Pistons in the win that he picked up uh, due to the COVID protocols. Any word on if he's going to be available for these two games against the Raptors?
0: None, and uh, which changes everything dramatically, obviously. Yeah, but of course. So they, they've been trying to scramble, trying to find some kind of perimeter defense that hasn't worked. Partly why their defense has been so bad. Uh, the mm-hmm. Detroit Pistons, obviously the worst team in the Eastern Conference, uh, made them look I mean, they, they look like world beaters against the Heat because they just had no answer for them from the three-point line, and that's even with Bam out there. But without Avery Bradley, without Jimmy Butler, they just don't have much on the perimeter defense aside from Bam.
1: Yeah, so it sounds like a, a bit of a different set of struggles than what the Raptors have had. The Raptors have been, like, wildly healthy so far, knock on wood. They haven't really missed any time from any of their big guys. Kyle Lowry sat out a game for personal reasons, a game that they ended up winning, and, you know, they've just kind of been humming along with the same group of guys playing every night. It just hasn't really congealed very much. <laughs> it's been, right. you know, I think kind of around the center position is where a lot of the the concern is, obviously. Aaron Baines comes in and, you know, I don't think anyone ever expected he was going to be the player he was to start last year where he was making people question whether DeAndre Aiden should come off the bench when he returned from his steroid suspension. Um, but I don't think, you know, my whole thing was, you know they lose Gasol and Abaca. there's no way Aaron Baines can't re- replicate something that they used to provide whether it is rim protection whether it's some eager three point shooting and i didn't think they were going to go from 48 minutes of good center play to literally zero And that's kind of creeped back up recently with Chris Boucher playing out of his damn mind. And and, and, the Raptors just kind of going small and abandoning centers altogether. Apparently, Stanley Johnson is a small ball center now, which is cool and fun. Um, But yeah, I guess from the outside, looking at the Raptors, have you had any particular observations or, or are you as befuddled as a lot of people have been? Although they have started to turn things around here with three straight wins
0: the the boucher you know showing has has been pretty impressive i actually asked a couple of weeks ago when i was watching the first early games there and i was just like wow why why isn't he getting more burned?" because to me every time i would turn on a raptors game and see him playing seems like he was doing something either offensively or defensively and making Mm -hmm. a huge impact with his shooting and or rim protection. And it's just, I understand he's underweight. uh, You know, he's a little bit on the smaller side, but that doesn't matter as much, at least not from what I've noticed. And so I'm glad that you pointed him out, but yes, I've also asked around and tried to figure out what's going on with the Raptors because you see that you know roster and you see the kind of consistency they've had, albeit without Gasol and Ibaka. And you'd think given Nick nurse and the quality coaching and everything else that it should work out. But it has to be, I, I guess, I mean, this is my perspective. It has to be the fact that they are playing in Tampa, right? Like that has to be a huge emotional blow. Psychological. It takes, it It has to take a toll on that team playing without any fans. And I've noticed this from Miami as well, like for them to have gone as deep into the bubble as they did And then not have any fans welcome them back from their Eastern Conference finals championship Mm -hmm. and everything else. And it's just been so weird. I wonder if the Raptors are just dealing with that from a psychological uh, perspective.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's no way it's not playing some role. I, I think that was more the case early on in the season when guys still like didn't even have places to live and they were living out of a hotel. And I think most of the guys now have like found places to rent and are there and are settled. And some of them have brought their families. Some have decided not to. But I think like the initial sort of whirlwind of, okay, here you go, three preseason games. Go find places to live. Now you're playing NBA games. Go ahead and, and, and like figure it out. I think that certainly was a bit of an adjustment period for the team. And again, I think they've kind of figured things out a little bit here. The bigger thing for me was that, you know, at one point this season, they had maybe four guys who you could consider good at basketball. And it was, it was trouble, you know, Pascal Siakam, who is one of those four guys was really rough out of the gate, kind of missing everything fouling out, you know, getting kicked out of games or you know, having, you Uh, not getting kicked out, but getting suspended by the team for a game just for conduct detrimental. And, you know, he's kind of figured things out. His shooting is still a little bit wayward. He's missing his threes everywhere right now, but his playmaking has been incredible. And that playmaking has kind of helped grease the wheels of an offense that has become a lot better than I kind of expected where things have been concerning is that on the defensive end of the floor, there's just nothing. And, and, you know, they just have not found their identity until their game against Dallas on Monday, where they really kind of captured the, you know, you can envision it right when the Raptors are at their best, they're flying around like maniacs. They're contesting threes. They're blocking threes. They're, uh, you know, forcing steals. They're jumping, passing lanes, and they're turning those turnovers into very, very easy points. And it was kind of a a combination of factors early on where they weren't forcing those turnovers at all at the start of the season. They weren't really playing on a string the way they typically would. And when they were forcing turnovers and getting it on the run, they were scoring with the league worst efficiency (laughs) in transition. And things have kind of turned around. You know, Norm Powell has figured things out in the last few games here. Chris Boucher obviously has been outstanding and they've kind of figured out some bench lineups that work. And as a result, you're kind of seeing them find their old formula, albeit a little bit less intimidating because you don't have a and Gasol. And, you know, I mentioned they had four good players at the start of the season. You could maybe say they have six right now. And sometimes a seventh will pop in, but there's still kind of a thin margin for error there, where if a couple of guys have an off night, it gets pretty dicey. Uh, and so I think having everyone kind of run into form now and have the defense kind of stabilize I, that I think will certainly lead to the Raptors continuing the run they're on. Like, I don't think they're, this five and eight team that is going to be, you know, fighting for play in position. I think they're very clearly going to be just a regular, you know, top six playoff team by season's end. Do you feel similarly about the heat or are their concerns a little bit more sort of unknowable? And do you think maybe, you know, the, the shortened off season, the quick turnaround time, the lack of stability, the, the losses of, you know, Jay Crowder and the the sort of importation of guys who maybe aren't fitting the same way are you confident that he will turn it around or are you concerned that this might be a season-long struggle for them
0: confident might be overstating it a little bit but i just there's so little to actually work with there's no actual team that we can kind of gauge whether or not they might be able to progress because right now we've been you know they've been so dysfunctional without jimmy without goron without bam for long stretches of time there that you're not quite sure what to make of this group like on paper I felt like they were actually going to be a little bit better than they were last year. I thought they were going to work out as far as one of their biggest weaknesses was the point of attack at the guard position. You bring in a guy like Bradley, who's, you know, in the few games that he's played, he's actually exceeded expectations at least to me. And so I'm thinking to myself, well, this looks like a really good balanced team, maybe even slightly more balanced than they were last year. I didn't expect, Crowder to be as consistently great from the three-point line as he was early in his tenure with Miami. We even started to see some of that regression deeper and deeper into the playoffs. So I know that re-signing him would have been a mistake because he did want a long-term deal and he did want some of that contract stability. Even now he's coming off the bench for Phoenix. So it's not like it's been this huge shock to see him regress back to the mean. That's just who he has always been throughout his career. So I don't think it really mattered that much. So, But Miami still just Hasn't had enough of a, a, a you know roster to, in, in any kind of consistent format where we could say, oh yes, they're going to be fine. Totally. Removed Remove from all that. Remove from all that. I'd have to say, I think they'll figure it out. Like what, if Jimmy comes back and he's healthy and he doesn't have any kind of lingering ankle issues or anything like that, and he doesn't have COVID related issues or anything like that, because we don't even know if he's just following the health and safety protocols because he himself was diagnosed with COVID or because just, you know, contact tracing or things that Mm -hmm. sort of the team has been really mum about that. And rightfully so, I guess, but we're not sure what's going to, what's going to happen next with him, but assuming that he's back and healthy within the next two, three days, games, whatever, then I think they'll be able to figure it out and return back to some normalcy. Their offense has been somewhat problematic. They're not getting to the line as much. A lot of that is because of Jimmy Butler. Uh, Tyler Hero's missed the last couple of games as well. So I, I think his shooting has been a little bit uh, less than expected, from, particularly from the three point line. He's only shooting like, I think, like 30%. And, and so we expect that that's going to turn around at some point. And they have, you know, they've got some nice players. They drafted Precious Achua. He's fit in kind of as Bam at a bio 2.0. Mm-hmm. You look at this roster, and if it's healthy, if it's intact, then I think they're going to. Be able to duplicate what they did last year to some extent, at least show that kind of consistent defensive presence and and great offense that they showed for so, so much of last season.
1: All right, Dave and I got more coming up for you, including some talk about how the Giannis pursuit might have affected both of these rosters heading into this season, maybe contributed to the slow starts. But first, I want to dive into our friends over at Built Bar, who, you know, you know by now, Built Bar rules. They're amazing. They've got 18 amazing flavors. They are all revamped and more delicious than ever. I can attest to this. I got a new pack in, in the mail a couple weeks ago, and they are better than I've ever tried them, and they are some incredible flavors, including a couple new flavors. It's Lemon Almond Cheesecake. My God, that is freaking delicious. So is Apple Almond Crisp. And then you've got the classics like Toffee Almond Orange and the rest, Banana Bread also a particular favorite of mine. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, and they are great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for keto diets as well. And, of course, you have a ton of wonderful flavors to try out, including the new Cherry barcia, which is very good. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories. That is not many calories. 4 grams of sugar and 4 grams of net carbs. Give it a try. Go to BillBar.com. use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off of your next order. That is the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off.
2: Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: All right, let's get back to it. Myself, David Ramil. Just a reminder, though, before we continue the conversation, that you can go listen to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcasts. Your boy Q, Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports, leading you through the betting action every single day and winning you some freaking money. So go listen to Locked On Bets today. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think like Spolstra too good a coach. Bam and Jimmy are too good. I feel like if they get Jimmy back, there's no reason why they shouldn't figure things out. I mean, I was lower on the heat in the regular season, I think, than some people. I thought the quick turnaround and maybe just sort of the insane chemistry role they were on in the postseason maybe yeah. wasn't totally sustainable and they were going to be sort of more in the five, six range of the Eastern Conference. But yeah, I don't know. Well, they think were last year to too. I yeah, mean, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't see them being this team all year.
0: No, no. And uh, you know, I'm just it's so weird where this I actually thought that they would be able to kind of come out of the gate because of that consistency because they were their continuity as far as their roster was mostly mm-hmm. intact, with the exception of Derrick Jones Jr. and and Jay Crowder. But I, I thought they were gonna be able to just get a good start to the season then towards the end maybe taper off a little bit because injuries would pile up because of the short off season what have you but it just hasn't worked out that way for them so maybe they'll have a second year that they can kick into down the road but uh, I did want to ask you because I know you touched yeah. on it a little bit but were, were you concerned or are you concerned about Siakam because I know he had his struggles in the bubble which you know those have been pretty well chronicled but you know it just feels like and maybe this is just what I've seen. Maybe you've seen something differently. But everybody was just kind of waiting for him to fail to some extent so they could say, yeah. ah, Siakam was never really that good. It was just ridiculous that he, he kind of went as as far as he did, as quickly as he did. Uh, it just, it's strange to me that people would want to pile on to a player who's been, I mean, I think largely well-liked. Uh, from media members and fans so i'm just not quite sure what's going on but as far as his play is concerned what's what's going on there because i haven't been able to see anything in particular but obviously you're much more intimately uh aware of what's going on with shakam's day-to-day actions
1: yeah i mean like the first four games of the year i think it was kind of a carryover of the bubble where he had no confidence he was like very very passive didn't really remember that he's six foot nine and one of the fastest players on earth (laughs) and you know that's kind of toned down a little bit and he's actually kind of rediscovered that uh, they went out west for a for a long road trip I think they they went one and three on it and, but even though they went one and three that's where the process kind of started turning around for Pascal and for the team as a whole and you know he was realizing oh I'm fast and can get to the rim I'm just gonna do that now he's starting to pick up free throws in a way that he just wasn't for the first few games of the season and his playmaking is better than it's ever been I mean there have been games this season. You know, I I think, I think about the game against the Blazers they played last week when they were on their road trip. And, you know, he scores 12 points in the first quarter. He's basically unguardable for that entire frame. And then the Blazers start selling out to stop him. And they send a couple of bodies his way when he's posting up, they're totally walling him off. Anytime he tries to run a pick and roll, you know, trapping him, whatever it might be. And his reads out of those, situations have been so good in a way they just never had been before. Oftentimes he was a guy who would force the issue. And yeah, there are two guys who were swinging over to me to stop my post up, but I'm just going to keep going anyway and get the ball stripped or whatever it might be. And he's just become far more content to kick out, have them swing it around. And it's created a pretty healthy looking half court offense as a result the shooting I, I don't think is going to be this bad all season long. You know, he was a 36% three point shooter last season. If I recall, he's been a pretty good shooter for a couple of years now. And he's just, I think he's just in a bit of a slump there. So I'm not too, too alarmed by that. It, you know, you know, it's all about expectations with Pascal, right? Like if you think Pascal Siakam is supposed to be like a top 10 player, a number one, you know, option on a championship level team, you're probably going to be left quite disappointed. But if you're hoping he can be a really good number two or like the best number three, then that's kind of your expectations will be met, I think. And that's sort of the thing about the Raptors is they are, I think, in still in fact finding mode and seeing what Pascal is and what might fit with him down the line. But I think it's become pretty clear that, you know, you can win with Pascal on your team. They've already done that, of course. You know, he's not far removed from scoring 32 points on Draymond Green in the first game of the finals. Like, he's got some pedigree to to him right now, uh, and, and always has. It's just, I think... When you look at what the team is going to look like two, three years down the road, if you're expecting him to be the top option, I think you're kind of penciling yourself in for mid-tier, you know, playoff success, but not actually anything tangible or meaningful, you know, in terms of conference finals or finals. And that's totally fine. And, you know, that was the calculus the Raptors made when they went into this offseason. And, you know, the whole Abaka and Gasol departure thing, you know, I think the fact they were playing in Tampa probably contributed to those guys leaving. Um, you know, they love, both love Toronto. And I don't think they were really feeling the whole play out of a suitcase for a year thing. But hmm. even if they had kept them around, it was only going to be for one year because they have their eyes on 2021. And that's basically been the way they've gone about building their team with that summer, totally clear and having the decks, you know, totally open for them to do whatever they want. And of course, the big white whale Giannis signs the supermax before the season and that changes everything. And so, you know, they're in a bit of a weird sort of in between now. And I think it's becoming clear what Pascal is and what they need to pair with him to be really good. And it's not like they won't get chances to trade for that guy down the line or potentially sign someone this summer too. If you know, Victor Oladipo becomes available, but I am curious sort of on that thread about, the Heat and how they went into this season, sort of after the news of Giannis signing the Supermax. Because of course, the Raptors and the Heat were the two main contenders. It seemed Dallas had their name in there a little bit, but I never totally bought that. You know, it seemed like Toronto and Miami were the two teams that felt they had an actual earnest shot at landing Giannis if he hit free agency, and of course, arranged their books as such. Did the off-season? You know, obviously, there weren't the departures of of Gasol and Abaka, your two amazing centers who have given you reliable center play for 48 minutes for two years. But, you know, did the Heat's planning for 2021 affect at all how the team was put together for this year? And do you think
0: that plays any role in the struggles? Well, I have to say, first and foremost, that was masterfully done. How you tied in the answer about Siakam <laughs> regarding 2021 free agency. That was superb. Um, and, I'm a and a does, professional, look, David, come on. And it just, I mean, it does apply perfectly. And you're right. I've kind of tried to downplay it because I don't want. I don't want my listeners to kind of just, you know, set the front office on fire. And they're just so dismayed at this point because they were linked to Victor Oladipo briefly, although I think that's still a real, very real possibility, but also linked to James Harden. Bradley Beal has constantly talked about as far as coming to Miami. And, And yeah, Giannis, I think the expectation was they were almost... Ready to to buy into the fact that Adikumba was going to find a way to come over this summer that he wasn't going to sign a super max and they were going to find a way to trade him. I never really thought that was possible, but that was the expectation from from Heat fans, unrealistically of course. But as far as the overall way that the roster was assembled, yeah, I I think they might have missed out on some opportunities. I, I think a guy like Ibaka was somebody that they probably could have brought in here, but they mm-hmm. refused to even sign them because they were looking just at one-year deals. And, and so I, I don't know if that was the same reason. Uh, you know, you mentioned the Tampa factor, but I don't know if they were willing to offer a multi-year deal. I know Miami was not. They were they not. To, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, it, you could have acquired other players that might have fit in per- perfectly where you'd still retain some of that defensive versatility, where you'd still have some floor spacing ability, especially from a guy like Ibaka. It just would have made so much sense to be able to acquire something like that, but they just weren't willing to take that chance. And then of course, as you mentioned, a couple of weeks later, added to the Kubo signs that superback. So I mean, I'm not sure. The the goal for them is that they they can still acquire a whale at some point. And I think maybe they have their their heart set on Bradley Beal. Perhaps they'll shift to Victor Oladipo. Because I know that there's strong interest from Oladipo in coming to play with in Miami because he is such a big fan of Dwayne Wade and followed him and there's the Tom Crean connection and everything else, so it makes Mm -hmm. a lot of sense. But uh, I just I don't know if they're going to want up investing in a player like that who's had his I- injury issues. He, he fits in Miami without a doubt. I think they can find a way to have him coexist alongside Tyler Hero. If he's your quote unquote point guard of the future, you've got enough ball handling and defense and everything else to kind of make up for that. Uh, and so I think they could pivot to that pretty naturally. I don't think there's any chance of signing Kawhi. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I. So I, you're you're very familiar with the the well, of course. Situation. He's coming
1: back to Toronto, so yeah, no, yeah there's no right, way. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, yes, they I, uh, they probably did make some mistakes, and but you know that's just the way this team operates. They in 2008, from 2008 to 2010, Dwayne Wade played at a near MVP level, and it's been one of the biggest regrets for this front office that they kind of sacrificed those two years when he was playing so well, knowing that it was been between the Shaquille O'Neal era. And it was the the formation of the big three, which they were all in on. And turned out that they actually were able to pull off. Mm -hmm. So now with Jimmy Butler, I think there's some of that same concern that they're not going to be able to give him the title that they promised him when he signed here a couple of years ago. He's already in year two. They went to the finals in year one, exceeded expectations. Now they want to do whatever they can to build off of that success from last year. This year, it's going to look a little bit less likely that they'll be able to do so. Maybe they'll just kind of continue to develop players like Hero and Adebayo can take a leap and maybe find something in Chua that can complement Jimmy perfectly. But uh, they still want to be able to bring in a big name down the road. So that's why they had to sacrifice short-term success for perhaps even a greater gain uh, of a superstar. It just seems less likely that anyone is going to be able to sign with Miami and raise their team ceiling considerably. Like I mean, mm-hmm. I think Oladipo has been playing pretty well But if you're pinning all your hopes and getting him and paying him, I don't know, what, 30 plus million dollars a year or something to that effect, if if that's what reportedly he's in in the market for, that just seems like you're handicapping your team down the the road. And I'm not sure that that's the goal. I mean, Miami just got off of some really bad contracts, notably Hassan Whiteside and others, you know, James Johnson, Dion Waiters, things of that sort. You know, I just don't know that you want to go down that same path by bringing in a guy like Oladipo, especially when you're only under contract with Jimmy for another couple of seasons.
1: Yeah, totally. You know, is a weird one, man, because, you know, he is someone who I certainly have considered the possibility of the Raptors signing as well with the cap space they're still going to have, most likely. And, you know, it's an intriguing one because he... There's this sort of peak version of Victor Oladipo that we have seen and know exists somewhere. Maybe he doesn't anymore, though, right? Because of the injuries. And, you know, he's going to be, what, 29 at the end of this year when he signs his new contract. So, you know, maybe what you're paying for is not kind of the, the ideal of Victor Oladipo. And maybe you are setting yourself up to kind of cap yourself. And I think that's certainly a consideration at the same time, like get the good ass player on your team (laughs) and it's probably going to be good for you too. So it's uh. Oladipo is a weird one. We can save that for another time, though, as the Heat and Raptors become the, the titans of free agency industry. Uh, and I'm sure that'll go super well for the team in Toronto compared to Miami. Anyway, uh before we uh, get out of here, Dave, we should probably take a look at the game the Raptors and Heat play on Wednesday, as well as the one on Friday, I suppose, too. Although I'm, I'm maybe our opinions on it will change by Friday after seeing one game between the two squads but I do want to sort of throw to you do you have a matchup you're particularly interested in seeing in this one obviously we've seen these teams go at each other quite a bit recently they always play extremely close usually very ugly games Uh, is there a particular matchup that is of
0: particular interest to you well so much of that depends on who's available and yeah. right now uh hero probably out uh, Jimmy Butler likely out too. Uh, so if, given all that, I mean, that's two fifths of your starting lineup. I mean, I guess it kind of defaults to bam at a bio and whoever kind of starts guarding him. I might, my feeling like would probably be Siakam, right? The Siakam at a bio matchup seems to like, it makes sense. I I guess, uh, Baines is probably going to start for a couple minutes and then get taken out. So I, I guess he'll probably wind up guarding whoever winds up playing alongside Adebayo on that front court. Right now, it's been kind of a mixed bag. Kelly Olynyk has been starting the last few games, and Mo Harkless seems like he might get the starting nod moving forward because he provided some great energy in that win against the Detroit Pistons. So Mo Harkless and Nunnaby is probably the second matchup that I'm most interested in because I think Olinik Baines probably cancels each other out to some degree, although Olinik. A lot more mobile than baines is so that's going to mm. be an interesting one i wonder if kelly goes off against the the quote-unquote hometown team i know canada is a pretty big place so it's not like he's really from toronto <laughs> or anywhere near there but uh, he's his allegiance to the canadian national team is well known so i to me it's it's yeah it's bam and siakam because i, I think he fans like taking a, a great sense of pride in that out i think dominated uh the, the siakam matchup a couple times last year mm-hmm. Maybe I'm misremembering it, but that's how it kind of came across there. I guess he fans tend to be a little cocky anyway. And so <laughs> uh, they're probably thinking they're going to be able to likely steal his lunch again on Wednesday and Friday. I'm not so sure. Uh, I, I think Bam has so many defensive responsibilities now with that starting lineup so shaky and with Olenek and Robinson being negative uh, defenders and Goran Dragic likely starting if, if Hero's not available and he's a negative defender as well. So I, I don't know that... Adebayo is going to be able to play as effectively as he has in the past against Yacom. So that's to me, the key matchup.
1: Yeah. I think the front court is super interesting too. And I'm going to throw Chris Boucher into this as well, because while Aaron Baines is starting lately, he is playing a ceremonial four minutes and getting the hell out of there. And oftentimes never coming back again. Um, and Boucher, while he's not starting, he's been playing close to 30 minutes a game in the last couple weeks here as he's been on his heater of you know, six straight games of 15 or more points. I think he's four straight of 20-plus, and he's been kind of, you know, I, I don't want to say he's better than Pascal Siakam because he's not, but his offense has been far more uh, essential to the Raptors than Pascal's right. has recently, too. So I'm really fascinated by how the Heat will line up. So, you know, Say the Raptors go with an OG Pascal Boucher front court for the line share the important minutes in this game, you know. I feel like there's a place to exploit there somewhere for the Raptors, whether Bam's on Boucher or whether Bam's on Siakam. Whoever's got Olinic on, and probably has a chance to feast a little bit. And I also am curious to see if like OG will sub in and, and do a little guarding of of Bam because he has kind of taken that responsibility at times to take the sort of big hulking center, and he does a pretty good job with it. He's the strongest dude on the team, that's for sure, and. You know, I could see the Raptors getting pretty creative with the way they deploy their front court. If Boucher is going to play again, thirty plus minutes, and he's out there with Siakam and OG for for a big chunk of minutes, that's uh there's some fun little machinations there. Because you're right, Bam is one of the guys who typically gives Siakam a lot of trouble. He's fast, he's strong as hell. He kind of can you know work off the spin move and and kind of make Pascal have to go to his counters quite a bit. And then there's also the idea of, you know, what does Pascal do if Bam's kind of locking him down and how does his passing come along? Because his passing has been, like I said, the best part of his game this season. And that's a fun little wrinkle as well. You know, I, I guess what we're saying is who cares about the backcourts in this game? Uh, <laughs> Kyle Lowry will do the thing where he scores 30 points on the heat because he always does because they don't really have anyone to guard him. And it'll come down to uh, how the front courts clash. I also am curious to see if Bam had a bio who is about the thickness of three Chris Boucher's will break Chris Boucher in half at some point in this game, because that feels like maybe a risky, uh risky, uh, risky
0: spot for Boucher to be in this one. Um Any straight yeah, my, thoughts here before we wrap up? No, I mean, just kind of tying into that because Miami does not have a lot of depth there. And, and right now, Eric Spolster is reluctant to play Precious Achua and Bam Adebayo in the same lineups. But Achua is going to be one of those players that if, if Bam should get into foul trouble uh, on any of those two occasions, I think you can bring in Achua and you don't necessarily lose a lot um, because he is fairly mobile. He's quick. And and while he's still a rookie, he's he's learning the defenses, obviously. But he's been playing very well and he's had some nice matchups against quicker ball handlers and still going up against big. So he, I think he got a nice block against uh Joel Embiid a couple games ago too. So he's doing a fairly good job defensively. And so that's going to be an interesting one to see, you know, once Bam comes out of the game, as he invariably will, Precious is going to come in and slide right in. And I think he's going to do a pretty good job. Other than that, you've got Andre Iguodala who, who's probably going to get some minutes there too, guarding Mm -hmm. all all three of those players, just because that's, you don't have anybody else available. You're not going to put Myers Leonard Casey Opala, the the hope that uh, a lot of heat fans have been pinning on. I I just, it's not realistic. I think he's lost his starting job there. So to me, uh, yeah, that's the whole front court situation is an interesting one. And Duncan Robinson, I wonder what he's going to do up against uh, Fred Van Vliet. That seems like a a pretty solid matchup for both players. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it
1: should be fun, man. I always, as much as I always hate when the Heat and Raptors play, because it's like a slog, it's always really fun when the Heat and Raptors play because the coaches are very good and the matchup is uh, kooky and weird. And that uh, always makes for interesting basketball. Uh, This made for interesting podcasting. Dave, uh, thanks for taking the time, dude. Where do people check out Locked on Heat?
0: As always, they can follow me on Twitter at Locked on Heat or follow my personal account at DRamil13. And uh, I'll be posting a recap after the game, so make sure you check that out
1: awesome uh you can of course listen to locked on raptors too wherever you get your podcast it's always appreciated and then check out the rest of the locked on network locked on nba uh which dave of course is uh, is a host one day a week with wes goldberg so go listen to that uh and a million other things we got going covering all of the big sports and all of your favorite teams every single day that'll do it for this crossover event uh dave enjoy the games man
0: likewise sean thank you so much for having me